This is a great church. This is a great church. Take it from me. Uh, it's, uh, it's so good to be with you. We have, uh, we have great churches all around the country, actually, great C3 churches all around the country. And where we don't have great C3 churches, we're planting them. Uh, I was down uh, on Wednesday in Dunedin, uh, where we are just about to plant a brand new C3 church with Zach and Rachel Kim. Uh, of course, you know Jared and Rachel Pratt are looking to plant a C3 church in Timaru. Uh, so if you want to plant uh, a C3 church, you want to get in quick because otherwise all of the good places to go are going to be gone. Uh, in fact, all around the world we have great C3 churches. It's one of the best things about belonging to C3. Wherever you go, uh, there's a church uh, that you can call home. Uh, in the last uh, month or so, uh, I was with our church in Hong Kong. Uh, I was with our churches in Papua New Guinea. Uh, I was with our churches in Samoa. I was with our Australian churches. Just all around the world, we've got great churches. And we're so glad that we have uh, two great C3 churches here in, in beautiful Tauranga. So thank you so much for having me. And uh, I just love your pastors, Pastor Alan and Alana. Uh, I said this morning that they are just some of the most helpful, most encouraging people on the planet. They are a shot in the arm of I'm not sure what, and it might make me sick later. It may shorten my life expectancy, but it makes today better. And so I'm grateful for that, and I'm grateful for them. So would you go ahead and put your hands together and thank your pastors. Uh, it's great to be uh, here this evening. Now, it is Pentecost Sunday, and I actually thought Pentecost Sunday was next week. I, I lost track of it. For some reason, uh, I keep thinking that Pentecost Sunday is always on the King's Birthday weekend, but of course, uh, it's uh, 50 days after Easter, and uh, Easter keeps moving, so here we are. But I didn't get to preach out of the book of Acts this morning. Uh, I'm going to preach out of the book of Acts tonight. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, uh, turn with me to Acts chapter 4. And I'm, I'm going to teach a little bit out of Acts this evening. Uh, the book of Acts is like the sequel to Luke's gospel. Luke's gospel is an account of the birth, life, ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Acts then is Luke's eyewitness account of the exploits of the apostles, the exciting birth and the explosive early days of the church. And the book of Acts really begins with the promised outpouring of God's Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And from there, we see the spread of the gospel and the growth of the church from Jerusalem to Rome. Now, not long after the day of Pentecost, Peter and John were going to the temple to pray. And along the way, they came across a man with a disability. Now, this man uh, didn't just have a sprained ankle. He, he hadn't been able to stand or walk from birth. And he was begging. Uh, that was his livelihood. This is what he did every day. Uh, he would have been well known to everyone who went to the temple to pray. And that was pretty much everyone. Everyone 
certainly every Jew went to the temple each day to pray. Now, when Peter saw the man, he, under the power of the Holy Spirit, he commanded the man to look at him. And he said to him, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And rise up and walk, he did. Now, as you can imagine, this caused quite a scene, quite a commotion. And Luke writes that those uh, who witnessed this were filled with wonder and amazement. And, And Peter, he capitalized on this and he stood up and he preaches the gospel preaches an excellent sermon. But right in the middle of his preaching, he's interrupted. And that's where we pick up today in Acts chapter 4. We're going to read from verse 1. It says, As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed, because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. So sure enough, the next day, Peter and John are hauled before the council and they are demanded to explain themselves, uh, that they give an account for the message and for their actions. And sure enough, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, he preaches the gospel to them boldly and excellently. The council are astonished, and they don't know what to do with these guys now. Uh, They can't deny the miracle of the man with the disability. After all, everyone had passed by that man on their way to the temple, and now he stood literally right next to them, before them, uh, alongside Peter and John. But they were also really concerned that Peter's message and his ministry could threaten their position of high standing and their control in the community. And so what they did is they gave Peter and John a gag order. They said, spread this message no further, starting from now, okay? Don't speak or teach at all about Jesus anymore. Peter and John said, "Uh, we can't disobey God for the sake of obeying you, but the council threatened them, and, um, and so we arrive at our passage for this evening, okay? So here we are, Acts chapter 4, verse 23. Uh, we're going to read it all the way through, then I'm going to make a few comments on it about how we can find boldness even in the face of opposition, okay? So Acts chapter 4, verse 23. It says, When they were released... They went to their friends, and they reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, 
There were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hands and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Amen. Now, a lot of words, I know. We're going to walk through it together. The first thing I want you to notice here are the parallels between what happens here and what happened on the day of Pentecost. Believers gather together to pray. God faithfully answers their prayers, foremost by filling them with the Holy Spirit. And then, as a result, they go on to preach the gospel with boldness, even in the face of opposition or persecution. So you've got uh, opposition, fear, prayer, God, boldness. Opposition, fear, prayer, God, boldness. Both on the day of Pentecost and on this day. Pentecost was a great outpouring of the Spirit on the church. It was definitive. It was dramatic. And then here, not that many chapters after, here's another one. God's people pray. God pours out his spirit upon them again, making them bold for witness. Verse 31, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Both on Pentecost and here, God makes his presence known. Both on Pentecost and here, he he gives a deposit of the Holy Spirit. Both on Pentecost and here, he, he moves men to openly and boldly speak about him. So on the day of Pentecost today, we, we praise God for the day of Pentecost. We do. We love it. But it was not unique as an outpouring of the Spirit of God to empower the church for witness. Because God has heard the prayers of of his people, and he has poured out his spirit on them, making them bold for witness countless times since. Countless times since. In many different places, not just one day in Jerusalem. In many, many different places. And, and I believe that this kind of an outpouring of the spirit is exactly what we desperately need in the church today. Now, who prayed in such a way that the Holy Spirit came down in power? I love this so much. Whose prayers had this mighty effect? In in Acts 4 verse 23, it says this, When they were released, they went to their friends. 
they went to their friends and they reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they, that is just their friends, when, when their friends heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. When, when Peter and John were released and they were concerned about the gag order and the threats that they had received from the council, they didn't call a, a special meeting of the elders. You know, they didn't call together all of the other uh, the apostles for prayer. They could have, and they all would have come, but instead they, they just kind of went to their connect group. They, they, they just went and gathered their friends, and together they, they lifted their voices to God. And it's really great to me, it's, it's really significant that their friends aren't even identified here. They're just no names, right? You, you, you get the sense that these were just ordinary Christians doing what ordinary Christians do. And, and seeing extraordinary results. Now, if I think of a church that has a great intercessory prayer ministry, I, I think of this church. I, I think of this church. But, you know, I think uh, all of us can sometimes think that intercessory prayer is the business of, you know, a couple of old ladies with a lot of spare time, who, who, who really love to pray. And so we just kind of leave them to do the heavy lifting and praise God for them because, you know, there's power in, in their prayers. But how much more power would there be if, if all of us took this on, if all of us took responsibility for the need to pray for one another, to pray for each other, to have the boldness to be the witness in the face of opposition. This is the business and the ordinary activity of ordinary believers like you and me. It's not just for the old, it's for the young. It's for all of us together. And like I said, connect groups are a great setting for this kind of prayer. Uh, I, I, I think it's really beneficial, really important to belong to a connect group. If you're not a part of a, a connect group, you should join one as soon as you can. And if you're in a connect group, if you lead a connect group, make sure every week you give an opportunity to pray together, to pray for each other every week, okay? It's really important that this goes through the whole life of our church, right? Uh, your church. I, I don't go here, sorry. Um, so, okay, the council, they attempt to stop Peter and John speaking about Jesus. They threaten them with repercussions if they continued, and that's what moved them to pray. So, do we see anything like that today that might move us to prayer? Well, obviously, uh, persecution of Christians is simply a way of life in many countries in the world. And uh, these are our brothers and sisters in Christ. So we should be moved to pray uh, for our brothers and sisters in North Korea and Syria and Saudi Arabia and Iraq. We want to pray for their safety. We want to pray that God would give them boldness to continue to share their faith in the face of persecution that many of us can't even fathom, right? But what about us? What about here? 
Do we see anything in our context that is comparable to the situation that Peter and John and the early church faced? We don't face sticks and stones, but do we face any kind of persecution? Well, I want to say yes, because this is the prevailing message of the Western world to the church. Hey, you believe whatever you want to believe, but you just keep it to yourself. Don't talk to me about Jesus. Keep it to yourself. If that works for you, good for you. But you just keep that to yourself. I mean, isn't that just about exactly what Peter and John were told? And here's the thing. Way, way more than the people who face persecution in those incredibly hostile countries. By and large, we do. We keep it to ourselves. We are gripped by the fear of man. We feel backed into a corner. And we behave, yes we do, like we're embarrassed about the gospel. Right? Me too. Listen, if the early Christians, many of whom had first-hand experiences with the risen Christ, all of whom had immediate access to the teaching of the apostles, and many of whom were there on the day of Pentecost, if they needed a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit to boldly continue to share the gospel, how much more we? Now. So they, they get together and they pray. Now let's look at what they pray. From verse 24, again, forewarning, a lot of words, right? Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Now, I want you to notice something about this prayer up to this point. We are roughly about two-thirds of the way through as it's recorded. They still haven't actually made their request known to God. Did you notice that? Do you remember what moved them to pray? It was a, a very pressing, very specific issue. The council had threatened them. Uh, with persecution, if they continue to speak about Jesus, that's quite a predicament for an apostle. They've been commanded to go into the world and speak about Jesus, so they pray. And their prayer thus far has been an affirmation of who God is, not a plea for God to intervene in their circumstances. Did you notice that? I'm sure you did. They're going to get there. They are going to make a very specific request for God's help. They are going to make a request for his intervention in their circumstances. But first and foremost, 
And most of all, they're saying, hallowed be your name. Why? Why? Does God need reminding of who he is and what he can do? Like he forgot, right? No, he doesn't need reminding, but they do. And, and we do. They needed to remind themselves that the God that they were coming to in prayer was exactly the kind of God who could and would answer their prayers as they were in accordance with his will. Now, in the same way, right, does, did we need to come here this evening and remind God with our singing and our worship that he's an awesome God? Like, you know, every week he forgets. It's like 51st dates. Oh, yeah, you're right. Like I am, aren't I? Right? No, he doesn't need reminding. But we do. And, and seriously, we need reminding every week. We need to remind ourselves that God is who he is. That he is the kind of God who can and will answer our prayers as they are in accordance with his will. Uh, this was referenced just before, um, Jesus uh, teaching about prayer. I love this in, in Luke 11. He, he, he reasons with us to remember when we pray to God that we're dealing with a father who is better than our fathers and is better than we are as fathers. He says in, in Luke 11, verse 11, he says, What father among you? If his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Now, if that sounds ridiculous, it's because it's supposed to be. That's the point, right? Remind yourself when you come to pray that God is a loving father who, who wants to provide his children with what they need, and what's good for them. So if you ask for a fish, he won't give you a snake. If you ask for a snake, he won't give you a snake, even if you think you're asking for a fish. When God says yes, yes is what's best for us. When God says no, no is what's best for us. The apostles and their friends, they knew that. And they reminded themselves that in coming to God. They were coming to a loving Father who they could trust to work according to their best interests. So when troubles crowded around them, and all of a sudden they started to feel small, they reminded themselves that God was big, that God was mighty, that God was powerful, that he rules the world with truth and grace, and he would act on their behalf. He does that. So two-thirds of the prayer is worship. Two-thirds of the service, worship. And then we read from verse 29, Now, God, Look upon their threats. Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So, in the face of the threat 
of the council's persecution, these guys ask God for three specific things. They didn't say, make it stop, change it. They said, nope. God, give us boldness. One. Stretch out your hand to heal people. Two. Cause signs and wonders to happen. And do all of that through the name of Jesus. So, um, how should we respond to that? Because we're living in an increasingly hostile world. We are. There's more and more opposition. There's more and more mockery of our faith. Christians are no longer the darlings of the world. And we all need to count the cost. I mean, trust me, following Jesus is infinitely worth whatever you give up or miss out on in order to follow him. Trust me, it is. It really is. But it's all nicey-nicey, friendly in here. We're all on the same page. But soon... We go through those doors, we go out into that world, and we're going to face opposition, right? How should we respond? Well, here's an idea. Let's pray in the same way as these guys. God, pour out your spirit on me again today. As I go into my workplace, as I go into my school, as I go to family lunch, right? Pour out your spirit on me today. God, give me the boldness to witness. In a world where so many untrue and slanderous things are being said about God and his church. Give me the boldness to speak up and say, hey, let me tell you about the Jesus I know. Let me tell you about the church that I'm a part of. It's not a perfect church, so you'll fit right in. God, give me boldness. And God, God, stretch out your hand. Move with power. Bring honor to the name of his son. Maybe the band could come and and just help me. It says um, Jesus at one point was looking upon a big group of lost and broken people who were like sheep without a shepherd. And he looked on them, and he didn't just see them as sheep without a shepherd. He also saw them as wheat that could be harvested. In other words, he didn't just see the problem. He saw the potential. And he said this, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask, therefore, the Lord of the harvest to send workers into the field. Now, two two things quickly I take from that. Number one, the surest sign, the surest sign that God is about to move, the surest sign that God is about to move, Right? We want to move of God. Yeah? 
surest sign that God is about to move is that as people start to ask him to do it. If, if, if there is a rising swell, a rising tide of prayer, asking God to move, he'll move. He will. Secondly, my experience, and this may actually be the reason why we're often so reluctant to pray that prayer, God send more workers into the field. God send more workers into the field. God send more workers into the field. Eventually, it becomes send me. Send me. Well, I wonder um, tonight, just in this moment, and just in a second, I want to give anyone who's here that needs to respond to the gospel an opportunity to do so. But just right where we are, right in this moment, if you're here and you would say, send me, Send me. Again, I'm not saying send me to Africa. Some people need to go there. Not everyone does. But all of us are called to go. To go into all the world. For some of us, that means to cross seas. Others, it means cross cities. Others, it means to cross to the other side of the room and to share Jesus. But if you're here and you're willing and you would say, send me, then right where you are, I just want you to stand and I'm just going to pray for you right where you are. If that's you, thank you, Lord. Now, some of you are not standing and you feel a bit like awkward. Don't feel like that at all. And in not standing, you're not saying, well, I'm not going. It's just right now, there's just a moment where you might feel God speaking to you and moving you to respond. I want to pray for you. Father, I pray. Send your spirit in a special way to touch the hearts of the people who have responded and are saying, send me. Give them opportunities and give them the boldness that they need to meet those moments of opportunity with faith. Lord, as they pray for the sick, that they would see the healing power of God ministered through them. signs and wonders would follow them. So now, Lord, as they've responded, meet with them. Go ahead and be.
might say, well, what was the point of that? Well, tomorrow you'll have an opportunity. And when you have an opportunity, you're going to remember this face. And you're going to remember, which is a horrible thing to be haunted by. Trust me. But you're going to remember that you said, Lord, send me. And he'll answer your prayers. Now listen, some of you in that moment are not going to step out share what you need to share or whatever Um, and you'll feel a bit bummed out a bit disappointed that's okay God's gracious he'll give you another opportunity just go again now one more thing I want to say before I share the gospel is remember intercessory prayer is the business of every believer. It sounds fancy and it sounds kind of crochet, but it's it's not. It's just pretty simple. Just pray for each other. Start writing down things that you're believing for other people. The most amazing thing is that when you occupy yourself on the needs of others, you'll find that your needs get met too. Now, as I close, I want to just take a a moment to give everybody here an opportunity to respond to Jesus. And I'm especially interested in talking for a moment to those who are not Christians or who have drifted away from the Christian faith. We had several people this morning make this decision. And um, we never want to make any assumptions. And I'm not from here, so I don't, I don't know who's who in the zoo. Um, but if, if you're here and you're not a Christian, or if, to be honest, you've kind of wandered away from the Christian faith, I want you to take three minutes just to listen to this appeal that I'm making to you. The most important message in all of the world is the message of the gospel. It's the message that this church and every true church is built on. And it's good news. The reason that it's such good news is that it helps us to confront the bad news. The bad news is that you like me you're a sinner by nature and by choice in fact you and I we're not alone all of mankind has sinned and fall short of the standard of God's righteousness sin has this effect it separates us from God and from one another and without atonement which just means if this isn't dealt with, sin leads to death and to the eternal condemnation and punishment of hell. The Bible talks about our sin as being like a bad debt. None of us, by our own good deeds, our own attempts at righteous living, none of us can pay the debt that we owe to God on account of His holiness and our sin. Now, that's the bad news. 
and is bad news, right? But this is where the good news of the gospel kicks in. The good news is that God, seeing that we were powerless to pay the debt of our sin, He didn't just leave us alone, doomed. Instead, He sent His Son, Jesus, who lived a perfect, sinless life and then died on the cross to pay the debt for sin. Again, not his sin, because he never sinned. Instead, for your sin, my sin, for the sins of all mankind. He then rose from the dead three days later, overcoming death, so that through him, by his grace, you can have newness of life. If you put your faith and your hope and your trust in Jesus Christ, he will forgive your sins and he will make you to become a new creation. You can be reconciled to God and you can have eternal life with God. We want to invite you today to turn away from sin, to turn away from self-reliance, trying to be righteous and measure up and behave and do good works and earn God's love and forgiveness. We want you to turn away from all of that and turn towards Jesus. If you will give him your sin and you'll trust him for forgiveness, then he'll give you salvation, new life, eternal life. So here's what I want to ask you to do. And then after this, I'm gone, right? If upon hearing the gospel today, you'd like to put your trust in him for the forgiveness of your sins for the first time and receive the life that he has for you. Or if, if you're honest, you've been away from him and you'd like to make a fresh commitment to him today, either way, we'd love to pray with you. I'm going to ask everybody in just a second to close their eyes. Now, that's not because there's anything magical about closing your eyes. It's just to afford you the comfort of privacy. But everybody, except for me, is going to close their eyes. And if that's you, if you'd like for us to pray for you today, if you'd like to say yes to Jesus, or you'd like to come back to faith in Jesus... I want you, again, in just a second, to lift up your hand nice and high. As soon as I see it, I'll acknowledge it. You can put it back down, okay? But do it again. I do it today. It's the best decision you'll ever make. Can we all just close our eyes right across this place, front to back? And if that's you, if you want to say yes to Jesus, then just lift up your hand nice and high so that I can see it. Yes, I see that hand. Are there others here? Yes, I see that hand. Are there others here? Yes, I see that hand. Are there others here? Lift up your hand nice and high so that I can see it, and I'd love to pray with you. Yes, I see that hand back there. Are there others here? would love to pray with you if you'd like to give your life to Jesus for the first time or recommit your life to Jesus today. Join these four. If that's you, One more time, just lift up your hand nice and high so that I can see it. 
yeah. God bless you. That's great. Amen. Amen. Well, um, why don't we all put our hands together and congratulate those who have made that decision today. And um, Pastor Eleanor is going to come up in just a moment. And uh, we'll let you know what to do. I'm just going to pray for you quickly. And then uh, I'll hand it back to Pastor Eleanor. Father, help us. Help us to live with all kinds of wisdom and power. To be as wise as serpents and as gentle as doves. Help us to be led by the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, help us to keep in step with the Spirit and help us to be witnesses for you. Help us to make your name great and known and celebrated and honored and revered in this great city. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen.